Well, welcome everybody to this, the latest episode of the HR Tech Chat video podcast. And I'm really looking forward to today's episode. With me today, I have Doug Dennerline, who is CEO of BetterWorks, and also Jamie Aiken, who is VP of HR Transformation, also at BetterWorks. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and you are both repeat guests on the uh, podcast, which is a uh, this is a rarefied rarefied space. I'm standing, I'm sitting actually, but I'm in rarefied space right now. Um, and you, we have a really interesting topic today. You both have come out with a co-authored a book about performance management and the sad state of sort of legacy performance management and all that. And uh, before we get into that, though, um, if you could both sort of just reintroduce yourself, yourselves to our to our viewers, uh, some of you haven't, some of them haven't seen you before. Um, and let's Let's start maybe with you, Doug. Yeah, uh, Doug Dennerle, I'm the CEO here at BetterWorks. I've been here about uh, five plus years now working on, on this product. Uh, I'm attracted to this space. I'm actually the ex-president of SuccessFactors. And so uh, I was there when we got acquired by SAP. And uh, you know, I, I left shortly after the acquisition, not wanting to be part of a large company and went to another start startup. But, I've been attracted to this space for a long time for a couple of reasons. One is I had a, I'm an ex-exec at Cisco Systems and I had a team of 6,000 there. And I had general business partners supporting me and we did all those typical HR practices that, that everybody knows and loves and hates uh, for the most part. And now building software that trying to change those you know, processes that people don't get much from into something that they see value in has been fun for me. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, thank you for sharing, and uh, that that's quite the resume. And you've you've been around the block, which is uh, which is you've seen you've seen some of the some of the big things that happen in this space. That's really exciting. Um, Jamie, how about you? Just uh, sort of introduce yourself to our audience again. Absolutely. So Jamie Aiken, um, and I lead up uh, the HR transformation uh, practice here at BetterWorks. Um, I've been in the HR game for over 25 years, led large global HR transformations um, and you know, business transformations over the course of my career, spent the last 10 years or so in the HR tech space, and actually that's where I met Doug as a customer of SuccessFactors and you know, joyously went over to work with him, um, and my primary focus at BetterWorks is to work with our HR clients to think through talent strategy, change management uh, strategies with an eye to having sustainable transformation over time, which I think is, um, you know, everybody talks about transformation, but it doesn't stop when you buy the software and implement it. You know, you have to think the long view of, you know, what changes you need to make over time with your organization to sustain that transformation effort. Mm, yeah yeah I, <laughs> yeah I, it's really important you bring up a great point those hr transformation is a longitudinal game uh to use a, a pretentious analyst word but anyway <laughs> <laughs> um again welcome to you both and and uh, you've both come out with a book and i, I want to talk about it for a little bit it's called make work better and um i wish i'd remember to bring i have a copy of it on the other side of the room it'd be Poor form for me to walk over there right now because we're on the podcast. Oh, there we go. All right. <laughs> and, and we'll have a link to the book, a landing page for it and all that uh, when this podcast goes live for the viewers. Um, but uh, 
Uh, Jamie, maybe we'll start with you. Uh, what what inspired you to to collaborate with with Doug on this book? Well, I think first of all, I mean, as an HR practitioner, I have been you know the policeman for many many years of enforcing what was a very, you know, traditional performance management, a very backward looking, very antiquated, you know, 100 year old process that frankly wasn't delivering a lot of, you know, impact for the business from a performance perspective, but also for employees and managers, the, the experience was uh, morale crushing. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 uh, the catalyst was how could we do this better And really at the crux of it is also how do we get HR and uh, the business leaders to be partnering together to take what is an earnest effort by HR to move performance and make performance uh, happen, um, but in a way that moves the needle for the business. So, you know, we, we sort of, we, we collaborated because we shared we share a, a clear vision, but also different perspectives. Doug, much more from a you know a, be- a business leadership perspective, and then me from an HR perspective. And when you join those two forces together, you really get uh, an end result that both um, drives engagement for employees and managers, but also moves the needle from the business perspective. Mm, you know, yeah. for me, Brent, it was more about, <clears throat> you know, now having led two companies in the HR space, especially now at BetterWorks, and I see customers that that are HR people that are brave enough to do something profound, which is take a risk and really change a, an old process to something new. And working with a CEO understands how important people are to their business when they pair up together and see the impact of that, yeah. yet 75 or 80% of large companies in the world have not done this change. Mm-hmm. And, and this book is about poking at them saying, why are you doing something that is literally created 100 years ago by the US Army, made popular by Jack Welch at, at you know GE, when massive research shows that it doesn't change performance. People hate getting it. It's filled with bias. People hate getting it. I mean, it's re- it's a ridiculous thing. Yet yeah. people still do it. So this book was aimed at uh, helping people understand the value of making the change and giving them a bit of a roadmap on what happens when you do that and what's the, what's the profound impact it has on companies that are brave enough to make the change. Yeah, I, I can. You both bring up great points. Just a parlay uh, of something you just said, Doug, around, you know, it being, and, and Jamie, I recall our discussing this in the past in a previous uh, episode. Yeah, this was developed by the U.S. military. <laughs> and, and the workplace is not the military. Um, let's, let's just, let's get that out of the way. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, the military does, you know, they do a great job at what they do. Um, but it's really interesting. I'm, I, you've both heard, we've all heard the term, you know, the beatings will continue until morale improves. Um, it's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> but this really is the embodiment of that. Um, and, 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 you know, I think, I imagine that there are a lot of, see, this is such an important message because there are a lot of organizations probably don't realize that annual reviews don't like really have no bearing. Like they really don't have, don't affect performance at all. And what organization 
really doesn't want performance to improve. I mean, the purpose is not just to 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 experience bad performance so they can just punish it. I mean, that's that's not the purpose of being an organization. You want the performance Correct. to improve. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's 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 what really sticks out to me. It's sort of a but we've we've been stuck in this rut of thinking for a long time where it's just it happens in a lot of areas where you just kind of get into a certain mode of thinking and you just keep doing the same thing because that's the way it's always been done and expecting it to work because at some point way back in the beginning people thought that it would um well and and brent if you if you think about it the way that uh traditionally it's measured in terms of a success as a process uh is percentage of completion Right. Mm. <laughs> As opposed to impact of, you know, what is it that you're trying to achieve? Well, it's not just 100 percent. Check the, the box. Yes, everybody's completed their performance review. And that traditionally is the way uh, HR has measured if if they were successful. And I think the pandemic in particular has accelerated that we need to have a completely different way of showing up for our employees and therefore, we need to be thinking about different ways to get them engaged and focused uh, than than we did before. So, if anything, mm-hmm. um, it was it became a, even more of a catalyst than before because we've been talking about um, making this change for a while in HR, but not a lot of bold have stood up uh, to do it. You know, if you, you made an interesting point, Brent, because you know, having been an executive at multiple companies. Guess who doesn't bother with this process is the top leaders in the organization really don't put their direct reports through this, mm. you know, and so they don't really experience how horrible of an experience they're having their people go through and first line managers going through this process and how t- t- terrible it is for <laughs> both the manager and the employee because they are not doing it with their own direct reports. That's that's a really good point. That's, you know, the. Because those are close relationships, and um, and it's a great segue into something I want to talk about in a minute. But I want to go back. So first of all, Jamie, you mentioned you know that that sort of the key, I maybe call it a KPI for HR is how many uh, completions, right? That's, I mean, talk about the the ultimate sort of poster boy for calling yourself a cost center almost, right? It's HR, right? <laughs> this is this is almost the epitome, epitome of that. Um, I th- I'm thinking about uh, just an unrelated conversation I had recently with a company that does AI for uh, AI-based stuff for uh, like skills matching and that kind of thing. And uh, when it comes to talent acquisition, uh, recruiters, recruiting departments, they, they often sort of measure success on uh, a higher volume of, of, uh, of potential new hires, candidates coming into the system, right? But when you're putting, when you're applying AI to a better skills match, to achieve better skills matching, you may have fewer uh, candidates coming into the into the system, but they're higher value. So it's just yeah. another example of this. Um, a really, as as a uh, as a profession in so many ways, so many areas of HCM, we need to really, we need to truly rethink how we're measuring success. No question. And I think we candidly also have to build some business acumen or more business acumen around that. I I worked with one colleague years ago uh, in HR and in every single HR meeting that we had, she would look at some point and say, and how is this helping the business? 
And it would always stop everybody in their tracks because we were deeply involved in the HR life cycle. So we were all just about running the machine and the processes. And her challenge to us was apt, um, which was, but, but why are we doing this if it's not actually to serve how we move forward for the business, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you can get in that mindset in HR very, very quickly. Um, but building out that business acumen um, and understanding and having much closer uh, finger on the pulse of what the business needs, as opposed to just running a cycle, makes a huge difference in terms of being able to like throw out the old metrics, really examine the processes that you have in place and challenge yourself of, do we really need to be doing this? And if we do, how can we do it better? so that we're aligned, not only with the business needs, but also with the employee needs in terms of, you know, career growth, development, et cetera. Yeah, I, I think a lot, a lot of this is gonna be forcing their hand in today's world because, you know, smart employees are gonna wanna understand how they're gonna get developed. And I think a really good interview question these days is how are you gonna develop me? And if it's, uh, we have this annual review process run, you know, I, I mean, millennials don't want to be talked to once a year. They want to be talked to every day about how they're performing. And so the processes of the past do not meet the needs of the workforce today. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. There's there's a real retention uh, risk by not making this change, by not moving forward, 100%. getting in. Yeah, uh, moving moving into the future of performance management, and and Jamie, you mentioned sort of the bi bidirectionality there. It's, it's you know that um, that uh, it's uh, the mutuality of what of ben the beneficiality, the mutuality of beneficiality, right? Where it's it's good for organizational leadership strategy for the business, and it's good for the employees. It's kind of interesting that a lot of things that end up in being end up with organizational success. Are, are good for all all stakeholders within the organization. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, now going back to um, Doug, what you said though around, um, you know, like at the top levels of an organization. Excuse me. You know, their direct reports. Let's say the the VPs and the senior VPs. They these types of people don't have to go through this kind of you know annual performance review, and and because there's so much more interaction almost on a daily basis between these 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 people at sort of the top of the organization of the of the um of the totem pole and you know you have to wonder leaving aside sort of the chicken and the, and the egg question is that because they performed to get to that level or is or is part of it just because that's how it works better to work right but but thinking about this this really kind of gets at the um at the at the sort of the the main, one of the main tenets of, of modern performance management, you want to call it enablement or whatever, is this, is more interaction, more frequency of, of, of uh, communication between direct reports and their managers. Do you want to maybe uh, dive into that a little bit? Yeah, I, I think that's what it's all about. Um, it's this notion of, you know, what we're trying to do is build an engaging application that that begins with a conversation between a manager and individual contributor. And it's around what are your goals going to be for the next 90 days, <laughs> both for helping the company achieve what it wants to achieve, but what do you want to achieve as an employee in this organization? And, and it's being able to look up at the top company goals and when good leadership needs to set those on an ongoing basis, because you no longer can do this annual goal setting thing because the world moves much quicker than that. So maybe you need to pivot in a 90 day, in the middle of a 90 day, uh, you know, um, 
period of time to pivot to be competitive to do something different. So it begins with that conversation. And then it's, hey, let's check in on a regular basis on how are you doing against those goals? Are you achieving them? Are you hitting roadblocks? How can I help you achieve those goals? Uh, let's build a couple of developmental goals for you so you can become who you want to be in this organization. And I'm invested in your success as your leader in getting you there. It's much more engaging. I mean, we see people that use our products and products like ours and other companies, you know, tremendous increases in engagement scores and confidence in leadership and understanding strategy. It may, it, it's an incredible dynamic Brent that we just wish the world knew that if you went ahead and went through this change, which by the way, takes multiple quarters to get people to understand the value of it. It's not taking the annual thing and doing it four times. It's much lighter weight than that, mm -hmm. much less time consuming. And with AI, we'll be able to do most of the work for you and write it without bias and give you competent feedback on how you're performing based on the data inside of our application in a much more meaningful way than we would have in the past. So a lot less work candidly for managers too. You know, I, I want to get into a, into the AI piece of it um, uh, a little bit. I, I love AI. All all conversations in HCM seem to lead back to AI these days, but it's tough to talk about it without. And I, and, and, and I don't think it, it's definitely uh, not just hyperbole. But, but one of the things that I just want to go back to what you're, if, if I, what you were sharing made me think something. Um, it's like the old the old approach to performance management is predicated on what I think is uh, we can all agree is a false postulate that that the every single supervisor and manager is a good manager a good supervisor or knows let's put it differently knows how to manage well and supervise well it's predicated on that postulate and that I believe is a is a is a false postulate and yeah. so what I like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we've all had great managers, and we've all had, you know, poor managers. You know, so it runs yeah. a gamut. Um, this is this is not sort of a you know a, an implication of all managers or anything. We're not going to rag on managers here, but but the whole point is that I love the new process because it it's not just about the direct report improving their performance. It's about the manager getting better too. Yeah, very much so. And we're spending a lot of time focused on building up that competency for managers. So in the in the product itself, we're giving guides, we're giving just-in-time uh, training and nudges, et cetera, to help the manager become better because we recognize that in the past, and I'm, I was guilty of it, in the past, HR would sit in a room, we'd design a beautiful process, and we'd huck it over the fence um, to managers and assume that magically they were going to transform and that's just not the case. So I think part of the, the part of the burden needs to also re rest on the shoulders of HR because we we didn't take the time or make the effort or recognize the importance that managers needed some support and enablement themselves to be better. Um, so we're doing a lot of that work at BetterWorks. Um, so yeah, you're you're absolutely spot on. Not all managers are born to be, you know, born immediately to be. Mm. Frankly, there's an awful lot of new, inexperienced managers that are out there right now. And so we know that there is a gap. So we're working very hard to fill that gap as well. Mm. Yeah. And 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 that that's that gets into we're a little bit of, we're often a little bit of a tangent here, but it's interesting because I I 
have read that there is research. I, don't, I haven't read the actual research. Full disclosure, I haven't at, read the actual research, but I've read that there is research showing that leadership is a learnable skill. There, there's, there's sort of this myth of the born leader. There are probably some people with some innate sort of traits that make it easier for them uh, or more, you know, it's more of an intuitive thing for them to become leaders, but le maybe they become leaders on their own, but, but it is definitely a, a teachable thing. Uh, which is interesting. And that's what I love about this new process as well. Um, what's your favorite part of the book, Doug? Um, my favorite part is, is again, this notion that, and I've, I've seen this in, in so many companies, Brent, where the CEO is like, oh, that HR stuff, oof, you know, I just, I, Sometimes they tuck the HR person literally under the CFO to get far enough away from it, you know. And I, I tell my sales team, don't even call on that account because that that HR person is going to have no ability to affect the culture. Mm. But when you find a CEO that knows probably the most important relationship on on their direct reports, be your CFO, your COO, your your head of HR, you know, your head of uh, your functional leaders is your HR leader. When you have a good one. And they they're invested in the business, not HR all the time. They understand where you're trying to go in five years, and they can hold a mirror up to the CEO and say, you know what, these two people on your team are not don't have the skills to get you where you need to go in five years. You need to make a change, mm -hmm. and, and make them force them to think about that. Like, hey, maybe I really need to do make that change, and I'm being blind from a personal relationship that I've developed with that person. And you see the profound impact that has when you have a partner like that on your team mm -hmm. and the difference it can make. And they're, and they're, I call them mobilizers. They're like, you know what? I'm changing everything we do here. I'm going to change how we do performance reviews. I don't even like performance reviews. By the way, most managers aren't capable of, they're not, we're not psychologists. We don't know what motivates people to perform. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think to your point, leadership has also changed. The qualities of a leader of 25 years ago wouldn't work in today's environment. Today's about empathy. It's about understanding the work environment. What's happening at home? How are you integrating work with your life, not work life with your work? Mm. And and you know, good leaders like that are are need to be trained, and we can help do that with through the product ourselves and take that burden off of HR a bit. And so the book points all out all those things in multiple chapters on the power of when a good H, you know, good CEO and a good HR leader together have a profound impact on a company. Mm -hmm. That's such a great point. I, I've read research uh, going back many years where, you know, one, one of the top sort of perennial uh, concerns or strategic imperatives, I'd say, of CEOs is, is finding and retaining the best talent. They don't want to lose their good people. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Jamie, how about you? Um, uh, another really interesting part of the book that you like. I would say, you know, it's sort of a riff off of Doug, but from an HR perspective, because we really do, um, I hope, encourage courage. Um, mm. Because the, you know, it can be daunting if, you know, if you're facing as an HR leader, if you're facing, you know, you know, in your gut that transformation needs to happen. And by the way, you know, also that it's happening in companies other than yours. Um, it's to encourage that they become courageous enough to step up and say, we need to do this here. This is time to do this here. 
And we give some really good, very, you know, uh, bullet point. Here's here's the sort of steps that you need to take in order to do this. Here's here's what that transformation is going to entail. And number one is also finding a really strong CEO as a partner. But I love the fact that we're, you know, this is this is a, a little bit of a challenge to both CEOs and HR. But there's also an empathetic side to it, which is be courageous, be bold. This is the time. The, the you know the marketplace is asking for it. You know in your gut you need to do it. So uh, let's go. And Brent, yeah. there's also I think you know seven or so stories of examples of companies, real companies like Intuit and others that have made these transformations and they discussed the impact that it had on their businesses when they did it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And uh, those are those are those all important metrics uh, that are uh, that are very very uh, helpful and impactful and in, in uh, convincing uh, other organizations to do this to do the same thing. Absolutely. And I love what you have to say too about uh, about courage, Jamie. You know, it's it's uh, you know oftentimes you have a uh, an HR organization. At, at an employer that's sort of inundated or overwhelmed in, uh, with operational HR, with what we'd like to call concrete HR, um, so that cost center stuff. And, and it, it takes courage to kind of, you know, raise your hand oh. and say, you know, hey, <laughs> we can be better. Let's, let's, let's do this. Um, and to have also to have help, to help them have that epiphany so they can fathom that, that life can be different, you know, and they can start start that journey along the uh, HCM maturity uh, to, to uh, full HCM maturity, which is so exciting. Um, I want to talk about AI just for a minute here, uh, because I think it's really, really exciting, you know, with that uh, performance management and all this stuff around generative AI. And, um, let me just sort of uh, set the stage with what, what I'm thinking, you know, is that, you know, I, and and I've heard this from other people. Certainly, this is not you know my my sort of uh, unique statement or whatever. But but I've heard it from others, and I've thought it myself too. Is that it's kind of interesting. You you insert AI in the right way into the workplace. Um, in, excuse me, into the um, into HCM. We'll say HCM, right? And it can make it can actually make the the work experience feel more human uh, when you eliminate when you take out some human elements to it and replace kind of, you know, or enhance it with AI. Um, that, and that's what I'm thinking might be happening here. I heard you talk about uh, eliminating biases and this sort of stu stuff, Doug. I I'd love to, I'd love to hear you thinking around that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be as um, profound as the invention of the World Wide Web, in a, and probably even more. Um, because it is getting so smart so fast. We we are we are deeply in, involved in thinking about the impact it has on all of our processes. It can, if you think about probably one of the big deterrents of a manager in this process is on average, they spend five weeks writing, you know, getting right up to the end of this thing, writing performance reviews. And, and, and it's filled with recency bias. Well, what's the last thing I did with this person? With AI, you can have it look at all the data in the application over the course of time. It can write, you can give it a, a, a period of time you want it to look back in this person's body of work and write a review that is, is, that is empathetic, that's written in a certain voice that 
that would remove any language that could be conceived to be biased. Uh, and then it can be reviewed by manager to say, yes, this represents accurately what this person's achievements were in the last quarter. Mm -hmm. uh, you can have it do things like look at a person's body of work and put that person in a nine block calibration process in a large organization in the right block versus have it be somebody's ability to debate where their people belong based upon their effort. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, the list of things that we're doing are endless. The ability to give an administrator of the HR software uh, an AI roadmap of how to build a program and not have to reach out to, to us as a vendor to help them understand how to do that. We can literally have AI build the program for them. And so the list of things that this can do to make what HR does seen as an incredible value in an organization actually move the needle on enablement of people is going to be profound. And it's probably one of the, you know, we're using it even to help us write the code, Brent. I mean, we wow. use those, we use Copilot today. And so we're, you know, we've gotten the question, well, aren't a bunch of people going to lose their job? And the way I answer that is, well, I could have 10 less people or I could do 10 times more work if I keep the people that I have. Yeah. Right. Mm. And the people that the people that do the reduction are going to fall behind because smart CEOs are going to keep the number of people they have, but operate at a much higher frequency of output. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's and you know what? I'm just gonna let what you said stand. I mean, this is <laughs> I was gonna try to put a fine point on it, but I mean that's just great. Um so fascinating. Just we really live in a very, very exciting times when it comes to uh, uh, HCM and the management of the employment of people or the uh, the the inspiration of the employment of people, you know, the leader, the leading of the of the employment of people and and performance management. It's, you know, if, if anything else, it really the, the rubber is really meeting the road. If any if anywhere else in HCM, then then, then it's definitely performance management. You know, I may, I'd make one more point that I think is important because you, you touched on. I do think the that enterprises around the world neglect first-line management in probably the most serious way. They just don't put the investment in somebody that, you know, made somebody a new manager. I mean, when I was at Cisco and I would promote somebody, I'd call them back in 90 days and say, what are you doing differently today than you did 90 days ago? And they go, nothing. I said, well, then you're just being an individual contributor, not being a manager. You know, I mean, there's an art to, to managing. Well, with AI, we can also look at, when's the last time you reached out to this person? When did you have an interaction with them? We can send them a nudge saying, hey, you know what? You have a one-on-one -on -one coming up and you haven't had a conversation around these three topics that you should bring up in your next one-on-one. Right. -on -one. We can lead yeah. the force to water here in a very serious way and helping you know, build pedagogy into the process of education of managers in it using AI. Mm. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, and, 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 you know, it's, it's also about, it's helping, that's helping HR be that, um, that advisor, that mentor, when it comes to the employee experience too. Yeah, yeah, this is- uh, I mean, think about it, yeah. think about it, as opposed to HR, and I, I've seen this in a few different organizations, more than, more than I would wish for, where HR at the end of a performance review process, their job is to run around and hound managers to complete their, you know, check off the box, right? Yeah. Um, make sure that the process is complete. What a switch we yeah. can have with, you know, as opposed to that bureaucratic, administrative, heavy, heavy activity, 
HR now is, you know, unencumbered by that mm -hmm. and can be therefore given the time, space, and um, and uh, they'll be seen. They'll be seen as heroes for the first time. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, heroes. It, all HR departments, they 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 have a burning desire to be seen as the heroes, and and, and if we can give them the tools to help them do it, uh, then 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 they're off to the races. Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh wow, this this has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much. I'm looking at the time; we're we're out of time, <laughs> but but th th it's always great uh, speaking with you both. Um, always great conversation. This is really looking forward to this to this podcast being live and 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 thank you both for for joining me today. Thank you for the time and thanks for the interest. Appreciate it very much. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Bye bye.